Okay, so uh, we've got just a, uh, a few really important announcements, and the first one is Aubrey and Maya. Morning. It's good to see so many people. We're really happy you're here and that we can be together this morning. Um, just wanted to catch you up on what um, the well did with Help of Ojai and the community um, this past couple weeks. We went shopping and got food for 20 families um, to prepare and put in bags for Thanksgiving meals and um, then we brought it all and put it in the commons, and um, Jordan led the youth in packing all the bags. So. Good morning, everyone. Um, so about a week and a half ago, the youth group got together, and um, we split into two teams, and the boys and the girls, and we packed the bags with food for the food distribution um, through um, the help of Ojai. And the boys got it done faster, but the girls had more fun. So you guys should <laughs> decide who won that contest. Um, so we look forward to helping in the community more in the future. Um, so yesterday we brought all the bags home to our house. Sharon um, made these beautiful succulent plants to put with each pair of bags that were going to the families. And we had um, people drive through. <laughs> And pick up their bags and make deliveries. So there's some photos of um, everybody who, most people who participated. So thank you again. Um, it was a really a blessing to serve the community this way. And it was really fun for um, everybody to come together and take part in it. So thanks. Thank you. Kim. Good morning, everybody. Okay, I'm kind of shy. I'm the children's ministry director, <laughs> and a lot of uh, people don't really see me because I'm always playing with the kids. So, with my announcement, I have a question for you. I need your help. I need to have you answer me. What is this? A star. Very good. See, you guys would be really good in children's ministry. All right. On to the next thing. We are having a family movie matinee for the entire church, all of you. And it will be on December 4th, and we want to enjoy, uh, have you guys come and enjoy with us. It is on a Saturday at 2 p.m., and it is on December 4th, like I just said. See, I forget a lot of things here because I'm up here. So um, we are going to do a movie called The Star. Absolutely. And it is about the first Christmas, and it is from the animal's perspective. It's a really neat animated movie, and it's a lot of fun. It's for adults, too, and kids. And We'd love to have all of you come. We are going to have light um, refreshments. We're going to have crafts and, of course, the movie. So we want all of you to come and join us. So I hope you guys can make it. And here is Kathy Bodycomb. Hi, Kathy. Good morning. Hello, Kim. There you go. <laughs> You're a hard act to follow. Um, okay, I hope this is for the uh, Women's Ministry uh, Christmas Brunch announcement. I hope you got an invitation. We passed them out. Uh, but if you didn't, they are on the cart in outside. So I hope you get an invitation for this. We're having the brunch on December 11th, 10 a.m. here at the well. 
all the women are invited. Please think about inviting a friend or neighbor or family member that um, doesn't usually come. Uh, they're all uh, welcome to come, so just sign them up as well. Uh, so uh, every week we're going to kind of um, give you a little bit more information about one aspect of this. We're having a brunch, we have crafts, we have um, a speaker, and we have a cookie exchange. And so each week we're going to kind of highlight each one of those aspects. And this week it's about the crafts. So we have a short little video, very short video, about the crafts that we're going to do. you can see they're very simple. They only take about 30 seconds to do. Um, so the first one was an ornament, and that's, everyone can do that. There's no charge. We'll have all the um, materials for it. Uh, you're welcome to do, make a little ornament. Um, the second one is uh, the centerpiece, and that is $10 for all the materials. Um, and just uh, indicate that when you sign up as well. Um, so thank you. All righty. Good morning. How's everybody doing? Are we doing well? We're going to uh, continue through the book of Philippians this morning and in chapter 2. And last week, we, we spoke about uh, the basis for unity, right? And the Apostle Paul gave us four foundational truths regarding unity. And then he shifted gears and said, hey, and you know what? After you're united, one of the ways that you'll manifest this is Considering others better than yourselves. Hey, don't just, don't just look out for your own interests. Look out for the interests of others, right? And, and I shared one of the applications of that last week, and you've heard me say this before, is when you come to church, hopefully, you know, prayerfully this morning when you, when you were preparing to come to service, maybe in the back of your mind you said, hey, you want, I, I want to bless somebody today at church. I want to be a blessing, Right? Maybe you'll give someone a ride to church. Maybe you'll um, come and, and you'll just say hi to someone. Maybe you'll ask someone how their week was and actually, you know, like, want to know how, how your week was. And you'll listen. And, and I want to encourage you again, and you'll hear me say this often, when you come to service, sure, we all love coming and, it, and it, it's beneficial and, and I really love it and you really love it. But if we can consider others, the interests of others when we come on a Sunday... Man, this place would be so alive, and so many of you do that, and I just want to say thank you again. I know the team is in Kingdom Kids right now, and uh, we get people who come here at 8.30, and they're setting up coffee and juice, and they're getting all these things dialed in around here. I want to say thank you to all of you who, who do that faithfully, because literally you are considering the interests of others by getting up earlier and being here an hour and a half early, and I want to say thank you for that. But even if you can't do that, when you arrive and before you leave, I want to just encourage you, maybe slash challenge you. Uh, make Sundays a, a blessing time for you to give to others. Amen? Just, just bless others. A handshake, a smile, an introduction. You know, uh, without knowing it, you're pouring into somebody. Because, you know, our, our culture is so isolated. 
and, and we, we say, ready, break, we break the huddle, and we go about our, our weeks and our days, and, and, you know, life happens, and sometimes you don't know. I'm, not, I'm talking you specifically, not necessarily me. You don't know how much it means to the person around you when they see you every Sunday. Like, literally, so that you put a smile, and they look forward to seeing you, not me, not the worship team. They look forward to seeing you out front or having that coffee or uh, donut outside and just chatting with you. That's meaningful to people because, you know, maybe you have a lot of people around you during the week, but some people don't. And this is truly their family, and they really look forward to being here, right? And it's meaningful. So I want to encourage you, uh, whether you're here, the women's Christmas event, things coming up, the movie. uh, Sure, we all come and we're blessed by God's provision and his resources here. But let's make it a point, just like at the foundational. When you come here, just say, Lord, I want to bless one person today. I want to bless one person today. And look for it. Be strategic. Just be strategic and see what God does in you. See what God does in you and how he changes your focal point even in our gatherings, okay? So we talked about that. In Philippians 2, 5 to 11, he says, okay, now let me give you the example of Jesus as far as unity and as far as the ultimate example of considering others better than yourself. Let's look at Jesus' example. So in Philippians 2, 5 to 11, the apostle Paul writes this. Have this mind among yourselves which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father, right? And so he begins in in verse five. He says, have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. He's saying, hey, you know what? This should be your attitude. When he says, have this mind, he's not talking like intellect or casual thinking. He's talking about this habitual bent, this habitual, you know, way of looking at life that, ultimately impacts your words and your actions, right? So have this mind, right? This is a continual, this would just be part and parcel of who you are. This is, this is what should drive you. This is, this is just how you think, your worldview, if you want to call it your worldview. Have this worldview, okay? Have this, this way of looking at other people, looking at yourself, looking at other people to the degree that it impacts your actions towards them, okay? That's what he's saying. In Romans 12, 2, he says, we saw this, says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. We saw before, when it says be transformed, that's metamorphosis, right? In nature, you've seen me put up a slide, a caterpillar to a butterfly, okay? So literally, what he's saying is, hey, don't be conformed to the world that tends to only think about itself, But have this supernatural metamorphosis happen in your mind, just like a caterpillar going to a butterfly, that suddenly this supernatural transformation happens to now you are others-centered. You are others-driven, right? How many of you are honest, you know, you grew up just a wee bit self-centered? How many of you are honest when you grew up, everything in your mind sort of filtered through I, me, my first, 
right? Well, I don't, that's, I don't like that, and no one asked me, and that's not, that's not convenient for me, and, and, right? Everything sort of went through me first, the lens of me, and he's saying, you know what? Have this radical transformation to where now you're considering others first, not just yourself, right? That's a supernatural act, right? Supernatural. In Romans 12, 2, in the New Living Translation, he says this, hey, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. But let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn how to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Again, I've shared with you many times, when you're following Jesus, it is so much more than just being a better moral person. It's so much better than just being gooder. You know, I'm better than I was. No, following Jesus requires a supernatural work of the Holy Spirit. Amen? You got to be born again. And then you got to walk in the spirit because I don't know about you, it takes me about that fast to go from thinking about you to me. Like that fast, right? And so if I'm not aware and I'm not sensitive to being in the spirit at all times, man, my world can flip, right? Just like that. And that's what he's talking about. He's like, you know what? Let it be through the power of the Holy Spirit, supernatural transformation. And you know who will notice? People closest to you. When suddenly your words aren't just about I, me, my first, and you're like, well, what can I do for you? And what do you need? And they'll be like, what happened to you? What? What? Right? Right? It's the people closest to you that will notice this transformation in you becoming other-centered. Right? And then in Philippians 2.6, he says this. Who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. Now, this is very important Spend some time here because this is one of those core doctrines of the Christian faith, right? It's one of those things, those, those uh, things that you don't negotiate. And we're talking about the deity of Jesus Christ, that God, Jesus was God, is God, was God, okay? It's, the, it's called the deity of Jesus, right? When it says in the New Kings James Version, it says, who being in the form of God, okay? Who being in the form of God? They're talking about Jesus. That word being, it, it, it's present tense, which means he always was, always is, always will be. It's just he's continuous, right? Being in the form of God. Now, that word being is also, uh, there's a Greek word called huparko, right? And it stresses the essence of a person's nature. It's who you are, and it's unalterable, unchangeable, right? William Barclay says this. Huparko is not the common Greek word for being. Huparko describes that which a man is in his very essence and which cannot be changed. It describes that part of a man which, in any circumstances, remains the same. So Paul begins by saying that Jesus was essentially and unalterably God. Amen? You got to settle that issue. You got to settle that issue. Then he says, being in the form of God. That word form is morphe, okay? And it's not just what you look like on the outside. It's it's what you look like on the outside comes again from the essence and nature of who you are. Okay, that's what he's saying, being in the form of God. John MacArthur says this. The idea is that before the incarnation from all eternity past, Jesus preexisted in the divine form of God, equal with God the Father in every way. By his very nature and innate being, Jesus Christ is, always has been, and will forever be fully divine. Amen? Okay, as a follower of Christ, you gotta you gotta nail that stake. You gotta drive that stake in the ground. Okay? The deity of Jesus. That's 
That's not non-negotiable, okay? John 1, 1 says this, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. The word to talk about is Jesus. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him and without him was not anything made that was God, right? So verse, the end of verse one, it says, and the word was God, okay? Colossians 1, 15, Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. For through him, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made the things we can see and the things we can't, such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, and authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through him and for him. He existed before anything else, and he holds all creation together. Okay, another powerful passage about the deity of Jesus. And then Jesus himself, right? Jesus himself caused, caused quite a ruckus with things he said. In John 8, 53, he's speaking to the Jews, and he says this, He's having this interaction with them, right? And the Jews are getting kind of angry. And they, in verse 53, they say, are you greater than our father Abraham who died? And the prophets died? Who do you make yourself out to be? Jesus answered, if I glorify myself, my glory is nothing. It is my father who glorifies me of whom you say he is our God. But you have not known him. I know him. If I were to say that I do not know him, I would be a liar like you. But I do know him and I keep his word. Your father Abraham rejoiced that he would see my day. He saw it and was glad. So the Jews said to him, you are not yet 50 years old. And have you seen Abraham? Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. And then they picked up stones and they were going to kill him, right? What was the big deal? Well, in Exodus 3.14, right, they asked God, who should I say sent me? And he says, I am who I am. So when Jesus, in, in verse 58, when he says, truly, truly, I say to you before Abraham was, I am, the Jews were like, did he just say I am? Did he just say what I thought he said? He said, I am. There is only one I, I am. God, Yahweh. Uh, did he just say, oh, we got to stone this guy. Right? Because what Jesus was claiming was to be God. He was claiming to be God, okay? And, and this, is, this is something that, that you have to settle. You got to, you know, study the word. And this is very, also, very important for, for those maybe who are seeking, uh, you know, what is this Christianity all about? What is the gospel? Who is Jesus? You know, I've worked with, I worked with youth, came through youth ministry for years and years, and lots of great questions from teenagers. But this, is, this issue of the deity of Jesus and even these passages I shared with you, this is very important because sometimes when people are on a spiritual journey trying to understand Christianity and Jesus specifically, what they'll try to say or what their understanding of Jesus is that he was a good moral teacher. He was a good moral teacher. He was a rabbi. He was one of many. Uh, he was a good moral person, right? What you have to understand, especially with Jesus saying, truly, truly, I say to you before Abraham was, I am. The Bible, what the Bible says about Jesus and what Jesus says about himself eliminates him from just being a good moral teacher. That's not an option. In fact, some of you have, may have heard this uh, in years past. You have three options when it comes to who Jesus is. He's either Lord, who he says he is. He's a lunatic or he's a liar. That kind of sums up your three options when it comes to Jesus. 
He's either Lord. He's either, he's either God, right? Or he's a lunatic. Cause he's just saying that, he, right? Imagine if Mark was walking up and down, right? The main drag there by Libby. And he's like, yeah, I'm God. Hey, yo, I am right. We'd look at Mark like, I know you <laughs> crazy, right? Well, that's kind of the response that Jesus was getting, right? Because he would say things like this and like, aren't you, aren't you the carpenter's son? And right. So he was saying these things that either they were true or he should be right. Committed somewhere like crazy lunatic stuff. Jesus was saying about himself. Or he was just a straight-up liar. Okay, so as you're sharing your faith, and maybe you're journeying through this, you will come to a crossroads where you're going to have to wrestle with what the Bible says about Jesus and what Jesus says about Jesus. And prayerfully, you'll come to the place of surrendering him as Lord and Savior. Amen? Right? But to sort of just say, yeah, he was a good guy, and yeah, I like his teachings, and he's just one of many... His own statements, he's either crazy or he's lying to your face or he is who he says he is and who the Bible says he is. Okay, it's very important because this even as we, as we come into the holiday season, we're about to celebrate something, right? And, and, and I love the timing of us being here right before Thanksgiving and Christmas because the idea and the truth of who Jesus is and what these verses, as we look forward here in the next couple of minutes, speak to us, it, it could profoundly change your Thanksgiving and Christmas. Like, profoundly. How many of you, as, as parents, let's just say as parents, sort of have always kind of like wrestled with the whole idea of presents and, you know, trying not to lose, right, the meaning of Christmas and all this. And I'm not anti-Christmas at all. I love gift-giving. One of my love languages is gift-giving, right? And I, you know, I shared with you before, I would do the get in line at 4 a.m. for Black Friday. You know, I, I did that a couple of years, right? Because my kids wanted that we, and I had to get that we system. So I was down there with all the other dads at 4 a.m. trying to, you know, get there. So I understand gifts. I like the traditions and all of that. But sometimes, honestly, I would wrestle. I'm like, how do we stay focused? What? You know, like the classic question, it's like, well, it's Jesus' birthday. I'm like, I know that, but why do we give each other gifts on someone else's birthday? See, some of you are going to catch that just in a little bit. You're like, that is right, right? Wait, it's Jesus' birthday. Like, like when it's my daughter's birthday, I don't get gifts. So like we have this tradition, it's Jesus' birthday, and we give gifts to each other. Some of you are going to go like, that's right, but it won't happen now. You're going to be driving somewhere. You're like, yeah, I don't, what, what? And, and, and we just kind of get lost in it. And again, I'm not, you know, trying to be like the Scrooge on it, but as, as believers, you kind of have to have your eyes open to it. Otherwise, you're going to get caught up and conform to the world and how they handle it. And so what is Christmas? What, how do we stay focused? Well, how can we celebrate? How could we possibly be okay without giving gifts to each other on Christmas. Everyone go, ooh. Oh, see, look, you're like, I don't like that. Ah, so now you're getting, you know, I, I gotta give a gift to somebody on Christmas because Jesus was born. <laughs> I just say all this because I'm trying to peel back all the layers of culture and tradition that really cloud these verses that we just gloss over. 
They re- we, we really do. Because in, in verse 6, he says, though he was in the form of God, okay, did not e- count equality with God a thing to be grasped. Okay, so it's basically what he's saying is, hey, he's God. He's equal with God. He's always God, been God, will always be God. And then that last phrase, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. That word grasp is anything snatched, clutched, embraced, retained at all costs. Okay? So he knows who he is. The angels know who he is, right? And, and yet Jesus, according to God's plan of salvation, didn't say, nope, I'm God. There's no way I'm giving this up. Right? Hey, Jesus, I need you to go down to that planet called Earth, those humans. I got a plan of salvation. I know you're God. You're just equal with me. You know, you're God the Son. Okay, there's God the Holy Spirit. We're all God, right? But I need you to be one of, become one of them, and you know, because I love them, and uh, I want them to be with me forever. I need you to go down there. What he didn't say was, no. I'm God, and I'm holding on to my godhood. That's what this verse is. He didn't consider his Godhood, his deity, something to be grasped, something to be held on to, right? In fact, he did the opposite, right? He did the opposite. And, and so as we work through this, the question is, in your life and in my life, when God's plan is speaking to you, is there something in your life that you grasp that you're unwilling to let go of? That's actually, God wants you to keep moving spiritually with him, but you're holding on to something, and it's an anchor. What might you be grasping, retaining at all costs, that is actually the hindrance to your further growth in following Jesus? Right? Your reputation material comforts, things we've worked hard to acquire, the stuff, toys, identity. How about plans for the future, our retirement, relationships, your economic status, your professional status, titles, awards, image? I don't know. What in your life? Maybe God wants to do something. He wants to fulfill his plan for you, which is good because God is good, right? And he says, hey, in my goodness, I have a plan for you, but in order for this plan to keep moving, you got to let go. You're holding on to something or some things, and you're grasping them. And the example of Jesus was like, he didn't even consider his deity something to be grasped. There's the example. If you're like, how, can, how, how do I get to the place of giving this up? Think of Jesus giving up his deity in the sense of becoming one of us. He never stopped being God. But think of Jesus having to make a choice, the same choice that you and I are faced with probably right now. What, do you, what is God saying? Give it up. Give it up. Are you willing to give it up for my plan? Is there something you're grasping? Or, like Jesus, it's all yours, Lord. I'm yours. My house is yours. Money is yours. It's all yours. My resources are yours. I don't want to hold it. Right? Following the example of Jesus. Philippians 2.7. He emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of man. In the New King James, it says, he made himself of no reputation. 
taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of man. Again, it's voluntary. It was voluntary, okay? And this emptying, it's very important because even when he was on planet Earth, he was still God. He never stopped being God. It's very important, okay? There's a phrase, uh, a kenosin. Now, this explains it very well, so I'm just going to read it to you. The Greek expression ekenosin, meaning to empty, is a strong word, speaking of the dramatic act of incarnation. It must be interpreted, however, by its context. Christ did not empty himself of deity, but of its outward manifestation. He emptied himself by taking the form of a servant. The incarnation did not change the person and attributes of Christ in his divine nature, but added to it a complete human nature. To achieve the divine purpose of becoming the savior, the the divine glory needed to be veiled. Christ voluntarily, moment by moment, submitted to human limitations apart from sin. The humiliation was temporary. The incarnation was everlasting. Okay? So he came, he was always still God. He took on the form of a human, but he never stopped being God. It's very important that we understand that, right? It's kind of like if I had a, a really fancy pit of water, if I had just water and a real fancy crystal pitcher or something, you know, and, I, and then I poured the water into this, like, styrofoam cup. Still, waters, the water didn't change, just the container, okay? Yeah, a while ago, you guys remember, uh, many of you became real popular show, Undercover Boss. Remember Undercover Boss, the CEO or the president would dress up and pretend to be a new hire, usually as a new hire, and, you know, completely one of those, I'm going to go there and just kind of see what, what it's like on the front lines and, you know, interact with the people. Well, he, he put on the image of a new hire, but he was still the boss. He never stopped being the boss, right? And that's why, you know, the title of this message is The Ultimate Undercover Boss. Right? So Jesus comes, he takes on our likeness, but he's always God. He never stopped being God. Okay? It was that, it was that combination of the two. Very important. Okay? And not only does he come to be like one of us, but it says taking the form of a bondservant, a slave. A slave. And this is, this is where we have to really slow down because... This is where I think we just, we just miss this. And it's so important, you know, doctrinally it's important, right? John 1, 14 says this, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. So the word, Jesus, right, became flesh and dwelt among us. Why is this important? Well, one thing why it's really important is when it comes to false prophets, Okay. 1 John 4, 1 and 2 says this. Dear friends, do not believe everyone who claims to speak by the Spirit. You must test them to see if the Spirit they have comes from God. For there are many false prophets in the world. This is how we know they have the Spirit of God. If a person claiming to be a prophet acknowledges that Jesus Christ came in a real body, that person has the Spirit of God. So it's real important in testing false prophets, okay? the deity of Jesus. But it's also important because, as we, especially when it comes to Christmas and, and kind of keeping the meaning uh, what it should be, you know, as believers, we, we tend to focus on the cross. 
And Jesus, you know, Jesus died for you, right? His death, burial, resurrection, and, and the sacrifice that that meant. And, and we use that word sacrifice. Jesus sacrificed his life for you. You know, he's the Lamb of God slain for the sins of the world, right? And we get that, and it's powerful and meaningful. But as I was looking through this, and what, what really profoundly struck me this week, and I've been really trying to just wrap my mind around it, is the front end of the gospel. The front end of the gospel is that God, the Son, emptied himself to become a slave. Now again, I don't know how many of us have ever pondered the chasm between God and us. Because we have this very high elevated view of humankind. Many of us believe we're God and we're just, or we're just a tad under God. And so this incredible, supernatural, radical truth that God the Son became a slave on this planet, that'll stop you in the tracks. That's a stop you, a full stop moment, if you will grasp that. I remember years ago, and, and take this the right way because, uh, you know, I understood what the author was trying to say. It would be like, you being sent on a mission, like, Ernie, I need you to go save the roaches of the world, but I need you to become a roach. And not only that, they're going to kill you. Or a maggot. Yeah, see, that's a better one. But, that, but here's the thing. God to man doesn't even touch human to maggot. The chasm is way bigger for God the Son to become one of us, let alone a slave. That's the power of the incarnation. That's the gospel. When you will just sit there and go, I can't even fathom that God of the universe became one of us. You know, and, and if, I, if you're like, oh, you know, I, you, mean I, I, you want me to become a maggot and the maggots are going to kill me? Like, ooh, I could never... Well, maybe you're just very touching the sense of Jesus becoming one of us. This is that humbling part where, where again, we just had this super elevated view of us, and we think we're all that. And, oh, yeah, Jesus came to earth and died for you. Oh, yeah, that's great. Thanks very much. He should have. Yeah. Right? It's one of those I told the leaders this morning, I don't, this has to be a work of the spirit for you to just say, God, open my heart and my mind to this truth that God, the son, became one of us. Because that's how much God loves us. If you've ever felt unworthy, well, we're all unworthy for God to become one of us. It is just one of those moments where you're like, I don't even know what to do with this. God emptied himself to become a slave. And then we killed him. Brutally murdered him in one of the most barbaric styles of death and torture ever created by the Romans. Crucifixion. It's barbaric. But we did that to God who came to this planet because of God's grace and love. See, that's the front end of the gospel. 
That's the front end of the gospel. And, and, and I'm thinking, how do we grasp this? How do we, how do I, how do we, what, what illustration could possibly try to bring this home? And I'm like, okay, well, you know, 20 plus years ago, uh, I brought some students down to Skid Row, uh, you know, to, to expose them to Skid Row. And we went there for a weekend. And, you know, as part of this missions organization, it was phenomenal. It was like immerse yourself in Skid Row. So the kids would come and we stayed in this, they had converted this, this old house. We slept on the floor of this house. A uh, couple things they did one night, uh, the first night they took us out to this empty lot. I think it was in front of LA City Hall. This asphalt parking lot that was empty because everyone had home. He, they said, okay, kids, spread out and lay down on the asphalt. So you understand what it's like to live on the sleep on the asphalt. And we did it all. I went out there and I'm like, just laying on the asphalt for like five minutes, right? And then we had to go and, and we, we put the leaders with the students and they had to go find uh, someone homeless, you know, that, and invite them to, to have a meal. Not give them money, invite them to sit with us and hear their story, right? And then we would go and we served in one of the shelters and I think the one I went to with my group was uh, for the moms with the little kids and they came in and we served them and we played with the kids and all this Great immersive thing, right? But what if we were called not just to go for a weekend? What if we were called to empty ourselves of all the comforts of Ojai and go live on Skid Row for their sake? And then be willing to die for them and let them kill us. Again, that just really doesn't even scratch the surface of God the Son coming to this planet. So if you're like, oh, man, I don't know if I could empty myself and go live on Skid Row. Well, Jesus, Jesus left heaven and came to earth. And we killed him. That is just one of those profound truths because, honestly, we're so comfortable. And I'm not knocking building homes of hope. I've built tons of homes. I've gone and I love that. But honestly... This passage isn't a weekend message passage where we're going to gear up and we're going to go suffer for a weekend. Then we're going to come back to our mansions. We can do that. We can gear up for that. We can give money. And and, and I'm in no way saying it's bad. I, I love what God has done and I still want you to go and I want you to do that. But I want you to understand that is just, I don't even know if it's that much of what it means to empty yourself like Jesus did. And go live down there and let them kill you for their sake. That's what he's talking about here when he says he emptied himself and took on the shape of man and became one of us. And then right in in verse 8 it says, And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. And I'm just like, you know, it's one thing to empty myself and go give up all I've acquired and all I've worked really hard for and all my comforts at home and my full fridge and my couch and my TV and everything I look forward to at the base level, to give up all of that and then to be obedient to death? I mean, that's just one of those moments where I'm like, Lord, forgive me. Forgive me for my apathetic, self-centered, 
prideful, comfort, materialistic self that just has lost sight of what Jesus did, like really did, right? And this is where, you know, we sit here and, and, and I get it. You got you to gotta just ponder and just like, oh, man, Lord, where am I with this, right? And, and, and in Matthew 1, right, the very familiar uh, Christmas passage, right? Matthew 1 in the New Living Translation says this. As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. For the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. And she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. You've probably heard that passage. You probably even sang Emmanuel. But I'm hoping somehow this morning, the phrase God with us kind of stops you long enough to go, God with us? And again, whatever it would take to try to challenge you with emptying yourself for someone, maybe, maybe there's a, a, a people group. Maybe there's an ethnic group. Maybe there's a race. Maybe there's a demographic. Maybe there's a, uh, an economic strata that you feel is beneath you. You'll never say it, but deep down, maybe you still have some, carry some stuff, whatever. And you're like, I, never, I would never go to them. They're not, they're beneath me. Or, or maybe there's a task you feel is too, you know, too, too low for you to accomplish. Ah, I, I don't want to do that. That's below me. That's for someone else to do, right? If you have this sense of, I would never go to them, or that's beneath me, that's below my station in life, I challenge you to think of Jesus emptying himself from God in heaven with the angels to planet earth as a slave with sinners. See, that's to stop yourself in, like, What ground do I have? None. Except yes, Lord, if he were to send me somewhere and empty myself of reputation, make myself of no reputation, make myself of nothing in obedience to God's plan for this planet. And if you're like, but, 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 we have none because Jesus eliminates all the buts. When God the Son emptied himself and became a slave on this planet, eliminate all the buts. Now it's just an issue of heart and will. Now it's just an issue of self. And this is why it's got to be one of those supernatural works of the Holy Spirit where you're like, it's all yours, God. It's all yours. In fact, my life is yours. Remember when Paul said to live is Christ, to die is gain? That's where he got to this place. It's all yours. It's all yours. And the example is Jesus. And so I, I really want to encourage you, you know, as you move into Thanksgiving and Christmas, again, I love the season, always loved it with my family, you know, decorating, you know, we have the tradition, things go up the day after Christmas. Dad, are we going to put the tree up? Are we going to put the lights up? You know, day after, we go, we got all those traditions. 
But at the, at the heartbeat of it, maybe this season is not the birth of Jesus. Maybe you should use this word, the incarnation. Right, because I'm not saying the birth of Jesus, but we tend to look at Mary and, you know, the donkey and the stable and, and all that. And that's all fine. But maybe the better word to keep us focused is incarnation. Amen? Maybe when they say, dude, what, what's Christmas mean to you? Incarnation. What's incarnation? God with us. What's that mean? Well, God, Jesus, emptied himself and became a slave on this planet because God loves us that much. Amen? That's the front end of the gospel. That is the good news. That's why Christmas should be a woohoo moment. Amen? I mean, seriously, Christmas should be off the chart celebration because it commemorates the incarnation. Period. It's the incarnation. Without the incarnation, there wouldn't be that. So there's both. There's the front end of the gospel, and then there's the back end, if you'll call it right, the death, burial, and resurrection. But this Christmas, God's just like, hey, yo, the well, hey, everyone, how about we celebrate incarnation? How about we reflect on, you know, God's plan for 2022, and we say, Lord, I'm willing to empty myself Make myself of no reputation. In 2022, it's all yours, just like Jesus emptied himself. What a great way to, to start 2022. Get a piece of paper and a pen, a pencil, and just say, Lord, I'm ready to write. What, what, what is your vision, your vision for 2022? A step of faith. And it might require the power of the Holy Spirit because he's like, what? You want me to go where? You want me to do what? Uh, Yeah. Because maybe as you seek him for his vision for 2022, the discomfort you're going to feel is actually going to reveal some things you're grasping. Your resistance to his will may be his way of showing you what you're holding on to. See, Jesus... His deity wasn't something to be grasped. Maybe we are grasping something. And in 2022, God wants to free you. God wants to take you to the next level of spiritual maturity. But here's the catch. You got to let go. You got to let go and go where he sends you. And walk in faith and obedience. And if you're struggling with that, just go back to this passage. Philippians 2, 5 through 11. The incarnation, the emptying of Jesus. Why? Because God loves you. I mean, it's just, yeah, it, it's mind-boggling. You know, even when you share that Jesus Christ died on the cross, was buried, rose from the dead, some people are like, man, that, that, I don't know that kind of love. That's, that's a crazy love. It's a, yeah, I know, and I feel so unworthy. Yeah, I know, we all do. And now you layer the front end of the gospel that, hey, Jesus was God in heaven, and he chose to lay it all aside and become a slave on this planet and endure what he endured because that was his calling, his mission as savior, right? Lamb of God. And you're like, wow, that's crazy. And you know what? It's crazy. It's crazy. Not just, you know, we get so familiar with John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. Right? We know John 3.16, and we get jaded to John 3.16. Maybe now 
through this passage today, you'll go, whoa, man, I never thought of actually what went on to make this all happen, right? And, and I encourage you, take the time you need to ponder the incarnation because God may be challenging us, and I know he is for us as a church, in fulfilling the Great Commission. We're going to have to make ourselves of no reputation. We're going to have to be willing to go as a church to where he calls us to go, and it might be uncomfortable and yada, 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 but we're not doing anything that Jesus didn't do for us. Amen? We're just following his lead. We're just following his lead. And then Romans 8.1 says this. So now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. And because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. The law of Moses was unable to deliver us because of the weakness of our sinful nature. So God did what the law could not do. He sent his own son in a body like the bodies we sinners have. And in that body, God declared an end to sin's control over us by giving his son as a sacrifice for our sins. Amen? See that? That's Christmas. That's incarnation. That's gospel. That's gospel. Okay, let's pray. Father, as we uh, think about these truths, the incarnation, the voluntary choice by Jesus to empty himself, Deity was not something to be grasped. He willingly, willingly came to this planet, made himself of no reputation to fulfill your plan for us, your plan of salvation, to be the Lamb of God slain for our sins through his crucifixion, death, and resurrection. But it begins with the incarnation, God becoming man. And I'm overwhelmed by the, the love and the grace of the incarnation. I, I just confess, Father, I, I don't even know in my finite mind how to, how to fully wrap, wrap my mind around you loving us, you loving me that much. Jesus, I'm overwhelmed by your decision and then what you endured for us, for me. The Bible says God demonstrates his love while we are yet sinners. Christ died for us. And so this morning, if you're at a place and, and maybe things have become clear that, that Jesus wasn't a lunatic, he's not a liar, he is Lord. He is a lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. If you're here and, and you get it and it makes sense, I invite you this morning, right now, put your faith in Jesus. The Bible says we're saved by grace through faith, not by works, lest anyone should boast. It's a gift. It's a gift of salvation. And the best way you know how you can pray this prayer 
in your heart, pray it to God. Say, dear God, thank you for the incarnation. Jesus, thank you for coming to earth and thank you for dying for my sins. I believe you are the Lamb of God and that you were crucified, you died, you rose from the dead. Thank you, Jesus. I, I, in the best way I know how, I put my faith in you. I'm trusting you alone for salvation, Jesus. The best way I know how, I just, I trust you. I'm leaning entirely, I'm resting fully on you, Jesus, as my Savior. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. As a church, if you're a believer, maybe this is a time before we take communion just to, Jesus says, do it in remembrance of me. Well, today, maybe we remember his incarnation and what it meant for him to empty himself, become a servant, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. So, so we'll give you a time. We'll just take communion and then... Uh, the cups and everything are there, and you can have communion, and then Mark will come up, and, and he'll uh, close us out, all right? So feel free to take communion when you're ready. Okay, so uh, we've got just a, uh, a few really important announcements, and the first one is Aubrey and Maya. Yeah. Good morning. It's good to see so many people. We're really happy you're here and that we can be together this morning. Um, just wanted to catch you up on what um, the well did with Help of Ojai and the community um, this past couple weeks. We went shopping and got food for 20 families um, to prepare and put in bags for Thanksgiving meals. And um, then we brought it all and put it in the commons and um, Jordan led the youth in packing all the bags. Morning, everyone. Um, so about a week and a half ago, the youth group got together, and um, we split into two teams, and the boys and the girls, and we packed the bags with food for the food distribution um, through um, the help of Ojai. And the boys got it done faster, but the girls had more fun, so you guys should <laughs> decide who won that contest. Um, so we look forward to helping in the community more in the future. Um, so yesterday we brought all the bags home to our house. Sharon um, made these beautiful succulent plants to put with each pair of bags that were going to the families. And we had um, people drive through <laughs> and pick up their bags and make deliveries. So there's some photos of um, everybody who, most people who participated. So thank you again. Um, it was a really a blessing to serve the community this way, and it was really fun for um, everybody to come together and take part in it. So, thanks. Thank you. Kim. Good morning, everybody. Okay, I'm kind of shy. I'm the children's ministry director, <laughs> and a lot of uh, people don't really see me because I'm always playing with the kids. So, with my announcement, I have a question for you. I need your help. I need to have you answer me. What is this? A star. Very good. See, you guys would be really good in children's ministry. All right. On to the next thing. We are having a family movie matinee for the entire church. All of you. 
And it will be on December 4th, and we want to enjoy, uh, have you guys come and enjoy with us. It is on a Saturday at 2 p.m., and it is on December 4th, like I just said. See, I forget a lot of things here because I'm up here. So um, we are going to do a movie called The Star. Absolutely. And it is about the first Christmas, and it is from the animal's perspective. It's a really neat animated movie, and it's a lot of fun. It's for adults, too, and kids. And We'd love to have all of you come. We are going to have light um, refreshments. We're going to have crafts and, of course, the movie. So we want all of you to come and join us. So I hope you guys can make it. And here is Kathy Bodycomb. Hi, Kathy. Good morning. Hello, Kim. There you go. <laughs> You're a hard act to follow. Um, okay, I hope this is for the uh, Women's Ministry uh, Christmas Brunch announcement. I hope you got an invitation. We passed them out. Uh, but if you didn't, they are on the cart in outside. So I hope you get an invitation for this. We're having the brunch on December 11th, 10 a.m. here at the well. All uh, the women are invited. Please think about inviting a friend or neighbor or family member that um, doesn't usually come. Uh, they're all uh, welcome to come, so just sign them up as well. Uh, so uh, every week we're going to kind of... Um, give you a little bit more information about one aspect of this. We're having a brunch, we have crafts, we have um, a speaker, and we have a cookie exchange. And so each week we're going to kind of highlight each one of those aspects. And this week it's about the crafts. So we have a short little video, very short video, about the crafts that we're going to do. you can see they're very simple. They only take about 30 seconds to do. Um, so the first one was an ornament, and that's, everyone can do that. There's no charge. We'll have all the um, materials for it. Uh, you're welcome to do, make a little ornament. Um, the second one is uh, the centerpiece, and that is $10 for all the materials. Um, and just uh, indicate that when you sign up as well. Um, so thank you. <laughs> 